There are no borders with Bitcoin, and from the beginning, its disruption has been global. Tune in to Borderless as Coindesk reporters Anna Badikova, Danny Nelson, and Tanzil Akhtar dissect their top most recent Bitcoin and cryptocurrency stories from around the world. This episode is brought to you by the Coindesk Podcast Network. And just a reminder that Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Welcome to Borderless. I'm Anna Baidakova from Moscow, Russia. And I'm Danny Nelson in Park City, Utah in the United States. So due to the severe winter winds enveloping the planet, Tanzi Laktar is out today and uh, we wish her a very fast recovery. And it's going to be two of us, me and Danny, and we're going to discuss North Korea stealing your crypto to create nuclear weapons, Nigeria trying to ban crypto, Tesla buying Bitcoin just after something nasty comes out in China. But first of all, happy Chinese New Year to everyone. The Chinese New Year is February 12th. And starting that day, we're now in the year of the ox, also known as a bull. So at least for now, let's hope things are looking quite bullish for crypto. And uh, normally, Chinese users would massively sell ahead of the new year because people want to buy presents and gifts for their friends and family and because all the businesses shut down in China for the new year period. There's no liquidity. But this year, it looks like the picture is different because the current Bitcoin rally is mostly driven by institutions, not retail buyers in Asia as it used to be for a long time. At least that's what experts say. You can read about it in depth in our colleague Mu Yao Shen's piece named Why a Chinese New Year sell-off may not happen this year. So fingers crossed, I guess. And on, on a less festive note, (laughs) Yes. On a less festive note, it appears that the North Koreans are coming after your cryptocurrency to build nukes. That's right. The North Koreans and probably the Lazarus group there, well known in in computer security circles, a hacking group, has been hacking cryptocurrency exchanges for the past year. A United Nations expert panel estimates the group has stolen $316 million in cryptocurrency in the last year all to fund the development of nuclear weapons. I guess that this is one of the ways that the North Koreans who face sanctions at every level of their economy are trying to uh, raise a little bit of cash to build nukes. You know, it's worth noting that this is hardly the first time North Korea has been accused of stealing cryptocurrency to build nuclear weapons. In the past, these United Nations expert panels have estimated as much as $2 billion in crypto theft over the years, all to fund a weapons program that really might not be getting much funding from anywhere else in the hermit kingdom. One of my biggest questions is when we're thinking about North Korea and its stolen crypto is, you know, how are they going to convert this money into a usable form? Like, are they, are they going to be paying their scientists in cryptocurrency, in Bitcoin, in Tether? Or I mean, maybe, maybe not Tether because it's dollar backed, allegedly. I, I'm wondering, where are they going to take this cryptocurrency and turn it into money that they can actually use to build weapons? Well, exactly. This is actually the most interesting question. Like, Somebody should be willingly interacting with North Koreans to buy their crypto and provide actual fiat money to them in, in, in exchange or like maybe physical goods so they can build their weaponry. 
Chainalysis actually has been exploring that. And according to them, when these hackers group, Lazarus is the most well-known of them, steal crypto from an exchange or they extort it from some victim, they either use over-the-counter brokers, OTCs, or they use DeFi, namely Uniswap. They use an intermediary and then that intermediary sells, sells crypto on Uniswap, if that's something Ethereum-based, you know, not, not for Bitcoin probably. And they also use in exchanges, which means there is a reasonable amount of exchanges, ODC brokers, you know, uh, just crypto wheeler dealers who want those North Korean dirty Bitcoins. So probably just don't give a damn. I would guess that North Korean uh, might sell them at a discount uh, and offer some sweet deals. I'm very curious if there is a lot of Chinese OTC dealers dealing with North Korea, just geographically, because these countries are share a border. But that's definitely a very, very interesting thing. And by the way, I'm not sure that the UN report itself is public. I couldn't find the text itself. I think it's, it's, it's kind of an inside report shared among delegation and experts. So we don't really know what kind of evidence and argumentations go to actually connect the hackers' activities and the nuclear weapons building, but it's pretty possible educated guess. Anyway, it looks like there is a lot, a lot more to explore here for blockchain analysis experts, for investigators. It's yeah. funny, like with buying clean cryptocurrency, lots of investors and banks actually think about trying to get their crypto from the U.S. government, because when the U.S. government sells you their crypto, it's like the cleanest Bitcoin in the world, because you know exactly where it's coming from. And now on the other side, if you're going to be buying North Korean crypto, that's like the absolute worst you could get, the bottom of the barrel. The U.S. could sell it at a high premium, and then uh, you'll, you'll be buying North Korean stuff. No one wants to touch that. Well, like according to, again, Chainalysis, these North Korean groups actively use mixers, so when the Bitcoin comes out of that mixers, you don't know anymore, you know, who put it in there. It's either nobody deals with funds coming from mixers ever, or all of us should come to terms with the fact that anyone might own a piece of North Korean hackers money one day. I don't know. By the way, North Korea is holding a cryptocurrency conference. Starting February 22. The biggest event of the year. Absolutely. Everybody's so excited. From February 22 to February 29. And the United Nations already warned everybody that visiting this conference, you know, might actually mean a violation of sanctions and can get you in trouble with the most powerful governments of the world. So it's funny, they still run these conferences, right? And probably somebody is coming. I would be so curious to see the list of guests and the lineup of speakers for such a conference. As an example of what can happen to you after visiting such a conference, Ethereum developer Virgil Griffith went to North Korea to speak on a conference in 2018, and he's now charged with violating the U.S. sanctions against North Korea. And he's been in court for many months now for that. Is it like more than a year, probably? And the charges look heavy, and the entire process does not look pretty for Virgil. So like probably won't recommend such an experience. Um, 
Yeah, I like I wonder how the North Koreans pitch their conference to people. It's like it's like if you're staying in a haunted hotel, right? Like <laughs> you, you, they don't want to show you the, the room where the murder happened. But you know that it happened and you definitely and then they, all of a sudden they book you that room and you hear creaking at the windows. You probably should get out of that hotel. So oh my God. unless yeah, you want to be cellmates with uh, Virgil Griffith, I, I really uh, advise uh, at least U.S. residents and citizens to uh, forego this excellent opportunity to hobnob with North Korea's elite hackers. Yeah, I mean, th this is not even really a funny stuff because, you know, like North Korea economy is, is in horrendous state, like people are starving. People who, by some miracle, escaped from the North Korea labor camps tell an absolutely blood-chilling stories of what's happening there. Amidst all of that like horror movie, there is a cryptocurrency conference, innovations and stuff. This is a very horrible thing to think about, actually, when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Should we move to other locations of the world? Actually, we, we had much more fun stuff happening this week. What about all this Tesla hype? It, we did. Uh, the biggest story of the week, some might even say the biggest story in Bitcoin in recent memory, which I guess is all of Bitcoin's history because it's not that old, is the fact that Elon Musk has finally gone after the inevitable. And he's purchased $1.5 billion in Bitcoin on Tesla's corporate balance sheet. Uh, very he, inevitable. Very yeah, it, inevitable. So, so inevitable. I think that he must have done it when he tweeted out in retrospect it was inevitable. That's definitely when he did it. You, you think he hit that big buy button right as he, he, hit, he hit the, the tweet big buy button. button? Exactly. He hit the big buy button. He watched the sats start stacking and he thought, my bags are still not as heavy as Michael Saylor's. But <laughs> as, as, my doge, as my doge bags. Yeah, the doge bags. He, he has the heaviest doge bags, especially for his kid, AEX12. <laughs> Uh, whatever that. Oh, you remember? Is. You remember how how you pronounce that name? Oh, well, I don't I'm, know. How do you do it? Anyway, I have no idea. Do you know um, the Russian translation? There is no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> that, that happened right after the Chinese published the pretty serious allegations that the Tesla cars are not that good as everybody would love to to think. What did they say? So there was a joint. Uh, announcement by several agencies in China, right? Yeah, the, the Chinese brought Tesla in and accused Tesla of uh, just putting out shoddy cars. They targeted issues in abnormal accelerations, battery fires, over-the-air upgrades, all these things that are integral to an operational Tesla that the Chinese regulators are saying are substandard and uh, might pose a threat to public safety. And of course, this report comes out the same day or even a little bit before Tesla announces this huge news that they're buying $1.5 billion in Bitcoin. And it's got some people thinking, you know, is this just a coincidence or is this just a, a case of maximal convenience to uh, release this huge news on the same day as something that's not nearly as nice sounding, not nearly as, as clean a storyline for the world's preeminent electric car maker? They even filed their latest SEC filing, right? The 10K form ahead of time, which kind of strengthens those suspicions that they did it on purpose and very on time. If you take it as a piece of corporate advice, whatever bad happens, just buy Bitcoin and shout about it from the rooftops. 
don't know, maybe not a bad advice or is it? I don't know. I, I feel like even though Elon Musk is the richest man in the world, I feel like very few CEOs, if any, should be taking any advice from him. He's a bit of a wrecking ball. I mean, I love Elon. He's great, but he's also absolutely <laughs> psychotic. I was listening in on a, a talk on a Clubhouse chat recently, and someone was saying, you know, when Elon tweets, the company races to make whatever he says a reality because, <laughs> he, because he's just such a loose cannon. He'll say anything and it may or may not be true. Like, remember when he said Tesla had funding secured at $420 for the stock oh, right. price? Is, yeah. is he still under the SEC investigation for that? He's not. They, they reached a resolution in which he paid a huge fine. It might have been even $20 million, which is nothing for him, but it's pretty gigantic. And then also he's banned from being the chairman of the company for a couple of years, just the CEO and God Emperor, but not the chairman. Yeah. Talking about reality, some people said that now that Tesla has such a heavy bag of Bitcoins on their balance sheet, uh, can we say that the Tesla stock is actually exposed to the Bitcoin price and going to be dependent on that in some form? I don't know. The way the Tesla stock price moves, I mean, sometimes the best comparison is the crypto market for how right. that, that stock has moved in the last year. Just like Elon said, in retrospect, it was inevitable. It, <laughs> it most certainly was. I just hope he doesn't uh, put Dogecoin on the corporate balance sheet, because then we're going to have to sit down and have a serious discussion about uh, corporate responsibility. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But talking about more serious regulatory stuff, Nigeria is trying to curb the crypto adoption in the country, but that appears not to be so easy. In early February, the country's central bank sent a letter to all the financial institutions and told them to shut down all bank accounts associated with cryptocurrency trading platforms. This is not actually a new thing, as Nigeria already released this kind of ban back in 2017, so it's just repeating that policy. But as an immediate result, Binance halted deposits in Nigeria and various local payment apps also did the same. So Nigerians were obviously furious and people posted angry tweets with the hashtag, we want our crypto back in Nigeria. And maybe in many other countries with a shaky financial system and corrupt authorities, crypto is a way to preserve money, to hedge against inflation, to hedge against the aggressive actions of the authorities that may come for your money for no legitimate reason, and to make some more money in the absence of normal financial instruments like foreign exchange trading and stock market. So for countries like Nigeria and for many more, it's kind of a tool that is even more useful, not just for rich people to become richer, but maybe for also not so rich people to preserve that little money that they have and maybe earn a little more. So it's not surprising that people are not letting this go easily. According to people in Nigeria that uh, our colleague Alyssa Hertig talked to, People keep trading crypto, but now they do it on the peer-to-peer platforms where you send your crypto directly to the address of the buyer and the buyer sends you fiat money directly to your bank account or web money service provider or whatever. So definitely read 
Alyssa's piece, which, which is called Bitcoin Can't Be Stopped. Nigerians look to P2P exchanges after crypto ban. There are some great quotes like, we are Nigerians. Using crypto is a way out of poverty for the youth. Actually, in my opinion, only peer-to-peer trading is a real crypto trading. In this sense, banning centralized fiat on ramps might be even good for Bitcoin, probably. Good for real adoption. Yeah, I think it'll definitely be good for that real adoption of people who are actually getting into cryptocurrency and not you know, just trying to seek exposure to the markets through some third party that doesn't actually give them control. Some but, lousy ETFs. Yeah, so some lousy <laughs> ETFs or some, I can't believe it's not Bitcoin product, many of which are coming out onto the markets. Now, I think you're spot on there. This is kind of going to be a way to really promote hardcore adoption. I don't think that it will do any good for that more mainstreaming of cryptocurrency. If anything, maybe it'll just prompt more people to make their own wallets and try to get in on the markets in smaller numbers. But yeah, this morning on Coindesk TV, Hester Peirce, who's a uh, commissioner with the SEC, the securities regulator for the US, was asked what governments could do to ban Bitcoin. And she said she doesn't even understand what that question is. Like, what what does it mean to ban Bitcoin? You can't ban Bitcoin. If you're going to ban Bitcoin, you would have to shut down the internet everywhere. And that's not something that you can do anywhere, not even in a place like China, which has very strict controls. You can't just shut down. I mean, I guess you can't shut down the internet. They've done it in Kashmir when the Indian army invaded. But on a practical note, you can't throttle the internet to go after Bitcoin. So it's impossible to ban it outright. Well, like technically you can shut down the internet, you can shut down all the fiat on ramps, but I just think it wouldn't last long. Like people would find ways to connect in some other ways. You, you technically transmit the Bitcoin signal using like radio and satellite signal. The, there are ways to do it. I'm thinking now maybe sometimes trying to ban crypto is just a very efficient advertisement of crypto because you think, oh, look at these guys. They want to ban everything. Like They would ban everything if they could. So shouldn't I get a tiny little piece of Bitcoin just in case they, they go absolutely crazy and like arrest everything and confiscate everything, but they wouldn't be able to touch my Bitcoin anyway? Maybe it's just a good promotion for crypto. Yeah, it probably is. And in fact, you mentioned earlier that this is hardly the first time that the central bank has made this statement on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, but it does look to be more impactful. I was doing some reading about this story this morning, and it turns out that the Nigerian Senate is now summoning the central bank governor. I literally just found this. They're they're summoning the central bank governor to discuss this cryptocurrency ban and to tell the central bank governor that, that he's basically wrong on this front. Uh, there's this crazy quote I'm going to pull up right now. This is Senator Sani Musa of the Nigerian Senate, quote, cryptocurrency has become a worldwide transaction of which you can't even identify who owns what. The technology is so strong that I don't see the kind of regulation that we can do. Bitcoin has made our currency almost useless or valueless. So this is a member of the Nigerian government saying, we can't ban this thing. It's better than what we have. Uh, And going after the people that are issuing, I believe it's called the Niara in Nigeria, the local fiat currency, 
summoning the issuers of that fiat and, and saying, what are you doing? You're stopping the future. And it's not even the future. The future is already here and it's eating our lunch. And it's oh saying your lunch doesn't taste good. <laughs> this kind of Bitcoin advocacy feels much more powerful than the entire crypto Twitter combined. You know, when somebody representing the authorities say, hey, this is actually better than our fiat money. And this is so great and powerful. You're like, yeah, well, maybe he has a point. There is a bunch of fiery news items this week's and this all probably going to be developing. So I guess take care of your addresses, guys. Trade peer to peer. Pick your crypto events wisely. Yeah, don't go to North Korea. It doesn't matter. They'll tell you you can golf with Kim. Don't do it. It's not worth it. You'll end up with Virgil Griffith in lockup. <laughs> anyway, unless you want this kind of adventure. <laughs> and thank you for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. And please subscribe to Coindesk Podcasts and especially for the Coindesk Report feed, which includes Borderless. Let us know if you enjoyed this show. We have an email, which is borderless at coindesk.com. You've been listening to us, Anna Baidakova from Moscow. And I'm Danny Nelson from Utah. See you all next week. You've been listening to Borderless, part of the Coindesk Podcast Network. This episode featured Anna Badakova and Danny Nelson with an announcement by Lila Ledesma. Today's show is produced and edited by Michelle Mousseau with music by Cody Martin. Did you enjoy the show? We would love to hear what you think. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred service and talk to us directly via email at podcast at coindesk.com. 